Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to this installment of the Steel Conversation, brought to you by Pittsburgh Steelers on 24-7 Sports. My name is Brian Diardo, and I'm honored to have uh, Brian Rosen, a, uh, a longtime, lifelong Cleveland sports fan, and uh, myself, not a Pittsburgh native, but uh, my whole family uh, tree hails from, from Pittsburgh, uh, so I kind of feel by birth uh, almost a native Pittsburgher, so we're about on the most poor opposite ends of the sports spectrum as possible. The one thing that binds him and I together is that he attended Ohio State uh, with me, and uh, we kind of enjoyed that together. But we always try to be civil. Uh, the gentleman, you're going to hear him come in here in a little bit, and he'll talk to you about uh, his background a little more. But uh, uh, imagine if one of your best friends in college was a Cleveland person. And I'm assuming most people listening to this are Steeler fans. Um, it, it, I'm sure for a lot of you, you wouldn't have thought about that. Uh, but for me, that was a reality. And we always have tried to keep things cordial. Um, when our teams have played each other. Obviously, uh, Steelers and Browns, just by birthright, uh, you're just brought up not to like them. Uh, The rivalry, obviously, has been more in the Steelers' favor, but if you go back to the 50s and 60s and even the 1980s, Cleveland won those those decades with the Steelers when you look at the wins and the losses. Uh, The Steelers actually didn't pass Cleveland for most career wins, I think, until the last decade. So it's been pretty much even until this this uh, post the 1999 Browns has come in. And uh, anyways, we grew up in, in that whole thing. And, and because we're friends, we've been, I think, pretty cordial uh, the whole way. Uh, I have uh, Cincinnati friends I can't say the same thing about. And a lot of us, Cowboy fans that we've grown up disliking. Uh, uh, and maybe you weren't as fortunate as me and you had uh, Browns uh, friends that you just didn't get along with. But fortunately, me and Brian have been friends for – long time, over a decade, um, kind of uh, showing our age here. And uh, when Cleveland won the championship, uh, I was very happy for him, happy for all of Cleveland. I never thought I would say that uh, growing up as a Pittsburgher. And, uh, uh, I, you know, when Tim Couch beat us in Pittsburgh in 1999, uh, little little history number for you, Cleveland was the first – Pittsburgh was the first team Cleveland beat multiple times in the post uh, – you know, this new era of Browns. It's something I don't want to repeat again, but I'm just letting you guys know that. It stings when the Browns beat the Steelers. Uh, at me growing up a Steelers fan, now obviously covering them. Uh, so for me to say that, uh, it's it's not easy to – never thought I would. But we're going to bring Brian in without further ado. Brian uh, was at, uh, I think, uh, one of the finals games. He went to one last year as well, and he said, the two finals games he's attended, Cleveland has never trailed to Brian. I think the first thing you do is get Dan Gilbert on the phone and get you tickets to the remainder of their games next season, get season tickets. But talk to me about how is Cleveland feeling? Uh, you know, the Steelers are, we're, we're, you know, Penguins are celebrating their uh, 15th, the city's 15th championship. What, what is this like? What's it like in Cleveland? Thank you, Brian. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, especially since uh, you had me on, um, and we don't have hockey here. I know I have a lot of friends that uh, are, are Penguins fans, and uh, congratulations to the city of Pittsburgh for another another great championship for Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. Uh, I'm sure it's uh, exciting. Um, but yeah, you know what? It's it, it, it's a, it's a, a truly special feeling. A lot of a lot of happiness, a lot of tears, a lot of high fives, uh, selfies, and pictures with cops. Um, People just lining the streets of, uh, of Cleveland uh, in the waning moments of um, the, the the championship the other night, and uh, it's just been, been obviously very special for people here. Um, not uh, generation, 52 years of not having a championship, so it, it for people like myself, you know, almost 30, it's been a lot of hearing from grandparents and hearing from others about what it was like. And uh, ever actually getting there, having some tremendous teams and baseball and basketball and, and you know football um, a little bit before me, but um, you know to, to to celebrate to hear about, but to to finally get to the point where everyone could celebrate, it was a, a truly special moment for uh, I think the organization, the team, and definitely the fans of Cleveland. Brian, there's a million questions I want to ask you, but and I've been as you can tell, talking to me. We're trying to line up which one I want to fire away with. But I want to start – I want to get back to, to Cleveland just winning. Uh, but I want to talk about, uh, as a Steelers fan growing up, you know, 
before I mean well, I'm talking, you know, again, we're about I'm thirty years old. I know you're 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 hitting that number. Um I was born in eighty five. That was after the Steelers won their championships. And me growing up, the Steelers were competitive but never won that Super Bowl. And I would I grew up like before I knew anything about the current Steelers that were on the team, I learned about uh Franco Harris, uh Joe Green, Terry Bradshaw, Mel Blunt, Donnie Shell the Steel Curtain defense, Rocky Blyer, Swan. I go on and on and on, on. That was like our Bible. That was, you know, the John Facenda uh, NFL films highlight videos. We had never seen a Super Bowl. We had been close. And in a lot of ways, I think Cleveland and uh, Pittsburgh are similar. 97, the Steelers lost the AFC Championship game at home in a heartbreaking manner. They lost to Denver after they beat them by 11 in the regular season, and Cordell threw the three interceptions. And I'm going to just let it go from there. That same year is when uh, Jose Mesa in the World Series for, for Cleveland. And I was in uh, fourth or fifth grade at the time. And my uh, a girl actually I had a crush on came up to me. With an, she was a big Indians fan. And she said, I know how you feel. And we were sad together because just four months earlier, she experienced Jose Mesa. And now she's watching me go through. But Pittsburgh later on got paid back. 05 happened for us. The Penguins in 09, like eventually – we were having our moments that our parents had. And the payoff, seeing Jerome Bettis win that in 05, and the payoff of, you know, even the Pirates a few years ago, they haven't won a World Series, but, but being the Reds and that wild card felt like it. Were you more just locked up in that of just it finally happened, or were you more just like the sheer joy of this, like just being in the moment and not thinking about those things? Was were you able to do that at all? Which which side were you more on when that was going on and the Cavs won? I, I I tried to really be in the moment but spend time. I mean, you know, I was at Quicken Loans Arena for uh, our, our sold-out watch party, and uh, we had a watch party inside and a watch party outside uh, that they sold tickets for. And, you know, I, I tried to do both. I, I at points closed my eyes and just sort of just wanted to hear everything and think of everything and look at my parents and just – and my father and think about, you know, especially it was Father's Day, which was pretty neat. Um, you know, the, the, you know, going to Cavs games as a kid, Richfield Coliseum, our old arena, and going there and, and being really young and worrying about the fact that I, there was no food that I liked and wanting to, uh, you know, get out of there so that I could, uh, you know, get something else to eat. And then growing up and, and getting the chance to go to, to then Gund Arena with friends and watching some entertaining but horrible basketball teams and signing Sean Kemp and being excited about that all the way to, you know, the beginning of the LeBron era. I thought about all of that. I mean, it, it, you wanted to really reflect upon what it was all about. Um, but, you know, being certainly, certainly being in the moment, that was, it was a great thing too. Uh, everybody was, you know, was, was very thrilled. Um, you know, growing up, I, I always would say to people, you know, I, I was very blessed to watch one of the greatest, if not the greatest, offensive teams in the history of baseball, the Indians in, in the mid-'90s with several Hall of Famers or would-be Hall of Famers if it weren't for steroids and Albert Pell's bad hip and things along those lines. Um, so it it was one of those things that um, we always said, you know, we never got a World, got a World Series championship, but, hey – it's hard to get a chance to watch Hall of Famers and elite players and gold glovers and all these special people be a part of something. Um, that was always what you said, right? But then you win the championship and you can be honest and be like, yeah, it was great and, and I, I will always appreciate it, but it's a sure as heck a lot better to finally win the championship. And uh, we got that done and it's, it's, a, it's a feeling I never had before and uh, this city is just uh, is on fire. Brian, I've been Bigger wanting to ask you this for a long time. We behaved ourselves. <laughs> Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh had, I think, one arrest uh, to what I remember the next day. They said overall, and it was like a petty thing. So overall, uh, I didn't know, honestly know how Cleveland had done. I didn't hear anything bad. So uh, I remember hearing the night before the the Penguins won. Um, I know because they had a chance to clinch. The Penguins won the Stanley Cup exactly seven days after Cleveland, before Cleveland did. And they played in a great series and beat San Jose. And uh, the one thing that the Pittsburgh and Cleveland weren't able to do, they couldn't uh, win. I don't think Cleveland cares at all. Uh, Pittsburghers are getting a little greedy. They wanted to win on home ice. And in game five, that city was was rocking. I don't think it's hit what what Cleveland is is going to hit. Uh, 
I'm not in Cleveland, so I'm not sure. I was at game one of the Stanley Cup finals. Um, I was there, and, uh, you know, the atmosphere was rocking. Um, but I can't imagine what Cleveland's like. But uh, my little sister went to game five. They were ready for that cup, and they had they couldn't win. Could not win. San Jose, uh, they did themselves well. They battled. And uh, um, it's funny because going into that series, I wasn't really quite sure who was the favorite. I mean, the NBA Golden State was the favorite. That was a no especially when it was 2 yes. nothing. Well, the Penguins were up 2 nothing the other way around. Uh, but uh, San Jose was tough. They had the better goaltender the entire series. That's, that's no knock no knock on our guy. You know, he did well, Matt Murray. But uh, I just thought Martin on the other side was just a little better, and he faced way more shots. But the Penguins, uh, you know, they, they've still never seen – actually, now, they're here, here's, here's kind of a funny stat. I don't know how many Cleveland fans know this. Pittsburgh still has not celebrated a, a championship in Pittsburgh since 1960. I believe, Brian, you might need to help me. I believe Cleveland 64 championship was won in Cleveland. So it was, yes, uh, over uh, over Johnny Unitas and the Baltimore Colts. Yes. So that streak continues. The Pittsburgh is still waiting, but it's it's whatever. But here's my question: I wanted to ask you, um, when the Steelers finally won Super Bowl 40, um, it made the years that we didn't win. For, I, you could forgive them, and you could enjoy those years more because you knew what the payoff was later. Um, you know, for me, the 97 Steelers, I'm probably like Cleveland fans, the 97 Tribe. I mean, that was Cordell when he was Slash. Jerome Bettis, that was a magical team. Won three overtime games. We beat the eventual Super Bowl champions. I mean, that had, you know, uh, Blitzburg, defense. We couldn't win it, but when the Steelers finally won, I could look at those teams and be okay with it and, and, and just kind of enjoy what they did without being disappointed. And I, you kind of forget the losses more because now you're seeing the payback. Um, I, I know for Cleveland, I know you can go – I'm going to share a quick story, and then I'm going to ask you your question, Brian. Uh, this is, again, Brian Rosen with Brian Giardo here on Stewart on 27 Sports, talking uh, the experiences from, from two championship teams in the same week, Pittsburgh and Cleveland, and kind of just sharing our stories. The first time I knew the Cavaliers had a basketball team, I am ashamed to say this, I was not until I think sixth or seventh grade. And my CCD teacher walked in to teach, and he had an I love this game Cavaliers hat with the old colors. And I was like, what is that? He goes, oh, that's an NBA team. I go, are they any good? And he says, they have Sean Kemp. He's great. And I watched the Cavs game, like I think the next time they were on. And then I remember uh, they had Terrell Brandon. They, I think they had decent players. I remember one guy uh, shot off his own backboard to record a triple-double. I'm sure, Brian, you know who that player is. But I guess my question to you, you know, my small knowledge of Cavs history has evolved through the years because I am less than a year younger than LeBron, and he's kind of the guy I hitched his wagon. Um, I was too young to, to remember Jordan's entire career, and, uh, you know, I was more of a Shaq guy than a Kobe guy, so I kind of adopted LeBron as my guy and followed him. So when he went to the Cavs, that's the only non-Pittsburgh team I've grown up cheering for uh, diehard. Uh, you know, uh, and I remember 2009 for the Cavs, that was a tough one. I think they won over 60 games, and, and uh, um, they lost. They also lost the 07 finals. So my question to you, Brian, is do you think as time goes by you'll be able to relish in those memories m- more because now you can – you have the championship to kind of like make you happy, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It, it provides that kind of perspective for sure. And, and allows you to appreciate it. And, um, you know, definitely the years where, you know, for the Cavs, it's a little different for the Cavs and the Indians, just from the standpoint of it just, you had to be honest with yourself. And yes, the Cavs had LeBron James, but the Cavs didn't necessarily have the best team um, throughout the years prior to, the, to, to to this season. So it was a little bit different in that as much as you wanted it, you, you watch LeBron James with just very little help uh, do in extraordinary things, but trying to win a championship with how little we had surrounding LeBron, it was something that was uh, was very difficult. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the the Indians are a little bit different in that the Indians had great, great teams. The Indians had won uh, 100 games in, on a 144-game season in 1995. Uh, the Indians, you know, we still believe, feel like we were better than the Marlins in 97, and we're winning 2-1 to one, heading in the bottom of the ninth inning. And, and Jose Mesa, who was a great closer, 
for the Indians uh, for those years, you know, just couldn't get it done. Um, but I, you know, it's funny. I, I actually, and this is going to show my, my lack of social life, I guess, but uh, I spent Saturday night watching a couple innings of game seven of the 1997 world series. Uh, I watched a little bit of the drive, the fumble. I watched, you know, all of these moments because I wanted that one last reminder of everything that we had went through and how special it was going to be if we got it done. I believed we were going to get it done, but there was always that doubt because when you've never seen something, you can't feel that way. But I think the whole city, you just sort of felt it, like this is different. This is the team to do it. This is a great supporting cast with a, a, a future superstar and Kyrie Irving with LeBron James and, and some really great clutch role players, Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith and, you know, Kevin Love stepping up uh, um, a little bit in game seven. You just sort of felt like it was different. But, you know, I, I never, ever thought I would say this, and I sure as heck would not have said this before Sunday night. But, you know, Jose Mesa, who's one of the great enemies, everybody from those uh, those 90s Indians teams has been here. I would like to see him come back. I'd like to see people cheer for him, give him his respect for the fact that he, he was a very good Indian. And, and I'd like to see us forgive and forget uh, for what happened. Um, and again, that just speaks to how gratifying and how much we appreciate this. That I can look back at all the, the, the tough moments and appreciate the good and, and forgive those that, um, that caused heartbreak at the time. You know, and Jose Mace is Cordell Stewart. That's what it is. Cordell Stewart, the three turnovers, that's Jose Mace's blown save. And I can't speak for Jose Mace in that situation. I'm sure you know it more, but you know any situation, even Buckner like. And then the, the Bartman in Chicago, it's not just that player. Other things happen around that circumstance that caused the failure. You know, the Steelers' defense didn't play their best game. I mean, they shut out Denver in the second half. But, And I'm always going back to the 97 Steelers. That's still my favorite team. I love the 08 Steelers. Love the 05 ones. They're not 97 and the Magic. Uh, but the Steelers needed to win a championship for me to let those guys off the hook. And, and but one thing that has yeah. happened, Brian, uh, unfortunately in Pittsburgh, we don't celebrate those teams still. Um, I've never seen like a t- we didn't have a 20th year anniversary for the, the AFC champion Steelers in '95 who didn't get it done. They didn't win the Super Bowl. Uh, we're not gonna ha- we don't have. I mean, when the Steelers won uh, the 2010 AFC championship, they became the first losing team in Super Bowl history not to get a championship ring, a conference championship ring. The Steelers elected to go with the watch because they didn't feel right accepting them. So sometimes I think you can go too far and not enjoy. You know, Cleveland won two pennants in 97 and in 95, and you would hope that the Indians would have a 20-year anniversary for their team next year. I know they immortalized Jim Tomei's statue, and he was a great player during those, those Indian years. But I, I want to ask you more specifically, you know, I told you, you know, LeBron James was – he kind of convinced me to leave my Pittsburgh cocoon and go out there. And, you know, if there was anybody's wagon I was going to hitch to for a ride, it was LeBron because, like, he grew up in Cleveland. He's a relatively our age. You know, I saw him play in high school at St. Vincent St. Mary, and when he went to Cleveland, it was cool because he was on cable every night and I could actually watch him, unlike the Lakers and the other good teams back then. Uh, but I know for you being a Cleveland fan, it might be a little different of a relationship than mine based on the things that have happened in LeBron's career. Uh, but nevertheless, let, let me ask you, I think, and I can kind of correlate this to the Penguins, you know, with with the Penguins, I think there was some, some jiltedness a little bit because I think people expected them to win – lots of championships after they won in 09. And and I think a lot like the Cavs, uh, when they fell down in 02 and 3-1, I think Pittsburgh fans started giving up on the Penguins this year when they were in 12th place in the conference uh, around Christmas time. And the Penguins battled back. And just like just, just like the Cavaliers, obviously not quite as much uh, just because of the magnitude of the Cavaliers' championship. But I think the Pittsburgh one felt good because it wasn't expected. It, it really wasn't. Um, and I think we also have kind of uh, interesting relationship with the, the Penguins' two biggest stars, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Uh, you know, I think with, with Malkin and some of the injury things and Crosby, the concussions, uh, they get criticized quite a little bit. I'm not saying for getting injured, but just because, you know, I, the outside world kind of criticized them when they started mounting postseason losses. Um, but I think nevertheless, when they win and they come through, I think like LeBron has, all that goes away. And uh, it definitely did for me, I think, seeing Sidney and Evgeny with the 
the cup. It, you don't think about the times when they necessarily disappointed you, which is certainly a spoiled thing to say coming from a sports fan. You know, we're not entitled to anything as sports fans. We're not the ones putting the work in. But um, when you're watching LeBron, uh, how fun is it to, to cheer for him after you kind of went through things with him as a sports fan? Yeah, and, and, and you know, what's so you know, interesting is, is you said, you know, LeBron being from Cleveland, and I mean, he isn't. He, he's from Akron. Now, what's funny is Akron, Cleveland, we're all the fans of the same teams. I love Akron. Akron is home of Swenson's, which is the, the absolute best fast food That's a great burger place. you can have. If you guys are if you guys are ever, uh, you know, Pittsburghers ever ever come up here to, to you know, for, for a Browns game, check it out. Um, shameless plug there. But I mentioned that for one specific reason, and that is, the, I'm going to call him the pre-college LeBron, and I'll, I'll clarify that for those who don't understand what I mean in a moment. The, the pre-college LeBron, he was the guy who was on the Cowboys sideline week one in Cleveland, Cowboys and, and, and uh, Browns. He's the one who was wearing a Yankees hat at an Indians-Yankees playoff game. He's the one who wanted to always remind you that he didn't really like Cleveland growing up. He was from Akron, and he took pride in Akron. Everything was about Akron. Um, and Something changed uh, for him, and and when when you know when he came back, he, him and Lee Jenkins from Sports Illustrated wrote that essay saying I'm coming home. He made the college comparison that when he went those four years to Miami, it was like kind of like a college for him, and it was so relatable to anyone that had ever done that because we got a chance to leave. You know, I've lived in Cleveland with the exception of my time in Ohio State my whole life, and. We had a chance to, to leave. We got to do something different. And you, you were like, okay, why, why shouldn't he get that opportunity? And I think he grew up. We all grow up in college. We're not always our best uh, before, uh, you know, during. And, and we grow up and we show some maturity. And he was different. He started embracing the rest of the city. He, he was talking about the land and talking about Cleveland. And he, he just he got it. He finally embraced and understood and grew up. He had, you know, and that's 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 what happens. And it was so relatable on such a human level. And when that happened, I was, you know, I had the, the letter was sort of the start, and it's been a culmination over two years of him saying, "I want to do this for you." And then seeing him at the airport, seeing everybody at his house, um, the genuine happiness that he has. The, the monkeys off his back. He wanted to bring this this title to Cleveland, and he did it. And it, you were able, of the, you know, to really appreciate and enjoy even more so than the first time. Not that he wasn't unbelievable the first time, um, but there were those things like the Yankees and, and the, you know, the, the Cowboys, things that you sort of said, oh, don't worry about it. LeBron, whatever he can do what he wants. But it bothered you a little bit. You wanted to say it didn't, but it did. Uh, he's a completely different person now, and obviously it has evolved as a talent, as a basketball player, as a leader, as a man, as a father. And, uh, you know, truly it was an absolute pleasure watching LeBron James on the court and off the court and all the great things he does in the community for Northeast Ohio. And, um, you know, he's a, he's a special individual and he'll always be immortalized and there'll certainly be a, a statue of him, you know, sometime hopefully in the near future. When I think about LeBron's three greatest games, that I personally, my my opinion, they're all different. Uh, game five of the finals this year, I think, stands out, even though the last three were all great. Uh, 2012, uh, game six, Eastern Conference finals against the Celtics, when he dropped 45. And, and it could have been 60, but they called off the dogs. And uh, yeah. 07 against Detroit, game five, Eastern Conference finals, when he was scored Cleveland's uh, last 25 points or 25 in a row. But two of his three greatest are in Cleveland. And I think when people look back at his entire career, you know, he has three chapters to this point. And there might be a you – know, who knows what the next one's going to bring. But he had his Cleveland first era, Miami own, you know, era, and then Cleveland take two. And I think it's a cool thing. I, I like the fact he didn't bring up Miami once. He let this be Cleveland's championship. And I, I know they asked Dan, Dan Gilbert, uh, I think one kind of Miami-ish question or decision question, you didn't hear that word decision once. And I, I love the fact they didn't spend much time harping on the past. They let Cleveland fans just enjoy a genuine championship with no drama. And, and that, I think, is a fan base. That's icing on the cake, that you don't have all that drama. And maybe last year you would have still, or maybe it would have been more vibrant. But I think you would admit, too, I mean, I think just like the Steelers, you know, uh, 
they lost three AFC championship games in my lifetime before they got finally broke through. Um, I think for you, you the losing in 07, 09, 2010, the decision last year, I'm sure you would say that makes this that much greater. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely does. Ad- adversity, when you, when, when, when you face adversity and you ultimately end up overcoming it, it's, it's the best. It's absolutely the, the very best feeling uh, that you can possibly have. And, again, it speaks to why I, uh, beyond the fact that I'm not that, not that cool or popular, <laughs> that, uh, that uh, kidding aside, I wanted to rest up. Uh, it was important to me to, to be ready. So uh, Saturday night, you know, hey, I, I, I yeah. But not in all honesty, I hadn't seen obviously the '97 World Series. Uh, I've seen the, you know, the the winning run, which many people have seen. I've seen that before, you know. But I wanted to see it, and I mean, it was it. Uh, I remembered it was kind of crazy because at the time I was ten, I, I watched sort of the the pregame montage, and it was like deja vu, like I had remembered it, and this was. You know, this was 19 years ago, and I still it was still vivid for me. So, yeah, when you know when you go through what you went through, it uh, it makes you appreciate it more. And certainly, thinking back and laughing, truly laughing at how amazing LeBron was the first time he was in Cleveland, and and doing what he did, a starting lineup with guys like Sasha Pavlovich and Eric Snow. And you know Larry Hughes, and guys like Danielle Marshall that you were counting on. I mean, these guys were, were were you know varying levels of decent to scrubs. The guys that were out of basketball pretty darn quickly, and maybe had some success before him, but didn't have any of none of those guys I mentioned any success after the fact. Um, and uh, it's it's just kind of funny to think how incredible, really, truly. Um, it, it was just to even get to a finals one time, uh, get to some Eastern Conference finals, and and uh, and and and, re- and do some great things. Get a chance to kind of end the Pistons, you know, Detroit being a, a big time rival of Cleveland, getting a chance to sort of end that dynasty. I mean, that was special. Those things were special, and and you always appreciate those. But certainly, um, you can just look back and just say, man, it's it, a uh, it, it, you, you almost feel for LeBron, and more so even than, than the city of Cleveland. Of like, man, this guy, how many more rings could he have if some other guys were there? If a Ray, if Ray Allen signs instead of Larry Hughes, what what happens? <laughs> um, considering what LeBron was able to do with so little, um, it's uh, it, 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 it's fun. It's fun how things have come full circle, and, and I think it just makes it that much that that much greater. Brian, I want to share something with you. I've, I've never seen this before in professional sports, ever. I just noticed this watching the end. I'm, as we're talking, I'm watching the end of the uh, Cleveland parade, uh, Cleveland uh, trophy presentation on Sunday night. I've never seen this before in my life. The team took the team photo uh, on Golden State's court, and let's just paint the picture. Golden State, 73-9, and nine, already anointed themselves, greater than the Magic Showtime Lakers. Uh, you know the story. Uh, Cleveland wins the championship, and in the photo, LeBron has the MVP and the NBA championship trophy. LeBron ended the 2016 season holding both trophies, walking out of Golden State's arena, Oracle Arena, that I think they lost four games there all year, and LeBron gave them two of them. And I've never seen an athlete do that in my life. Uh, You know, when Shaq and Kobe won it, Shaq would give Kobe the championship trophy. He would just hold the MVP one. Uh, Kobe Bryant would do kind of the same thing when he became the leader of that team. You know, Duncan, and, and I never knew where the trophies were when they won it. I mean, they probably just gave it to the owner or whatever. I, you know, LeBron walking out with, or out of Oracle with those two trophies, some people might think, you know, oh, that's selfish or share the wealth, whatever. I don't think people understand. I don't, maybe I would like your opinion, Brian, as a Cleveland guy. I think this is the coolest thing he's ever done. He literally closed down Golden State's arena and season by walking out with the two most coveted pieces of hardware in his sport. Yeah, I, it he he was phenomenal. Um, he was truly phenomenal and, and and so special. And yeah, I mean that I think was was so great about this. Um, it was so important, you know, to get this championship. But there's always that selfishness where you say. You don't. You shouldn't be selfish when you haven't won a championship. It should be let's just win a championship. It doesn't matter how. But there was also that kind of selfishness. Look at what the Red Sox did. Now I don't feel bad 
for I never felt bad for Red Sox fans. I don't feel bad for Cubs fans solely because they're also fans of say the Blackhawks, you know, the Chicago Bulls, uh, the, you know, the, the Boston Celtics, the New England Patriots. You get you get my point. I don't feel for those fan bases, even the frustrations they had in in baseball, because they had the championships. So we didn't have anything like that, but. The one thing you can say is obviously in Boston, baseball comes first, it means something. Then they were down 3 nothing to their arch rivals, and it was over, and it was done. And somehow they pull off winning eight in a row, winning four games in a row against the, the hated Yankees, and getting it done. That's really what happened here. I mean, truly, from a historical perspective, it wasn't 3-0, but no team in the NBA history has ever done what the Cleveland Cavaliers just did and did it against a very arrogant, a, a tremendous, a historic, but a very arrogant, a team that talked, talked as if they had already won it before they won it. They did a lot of talking. And they, it's not so much they didn't back it up, but the Cavs and LeBron James especially shoved it, shoved it right in there and said, you know, <laughs> take this. Uh, that really made it truly special. That the way the Cavs did it, doing it in such a historic sense, doing it against a, a team that was very easy to hate. You respect, certainly you respect them, a ton of respect for them, but you hate them. Uh, between uh, Stephen Curry's wife's uh, tweets, there's, a, um, a, there's Buy Aisha uh, shirts right now. They can buy Buy Aisha from Friday. That is a, a very popular item in Cleveland. Um, you, you heard Michael Thompson, great player, you know, for the Lakers, talk, uh, you know, as you, as you just referenced, talking about, you know, how, uh, how his Showtime Lakers couldn't, you know, would not have beaten the Warriors, uh, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. These guys just talked a lot. And, boy, it was, uh, it was really special to get a chance to, to sort of stick it to them. And, and, but more than that, to, to prove what this team was capable of and the heart and the poise that this team showed. And that all emanated from, started with and ended with, LeBron James, uh, and and that's where there was no, there was no selfishness. He deserved to hold both those trophies. He was the MVP. He was uh, he, he's the MVP of, of this city, uh, and and will always be revered for for what he did, and uh, and and will always be grateful not just again for the championship, but for the historic nature in which this curse was lifted, and uh, the the city from a me- mentally. In terms of our belief system, the way we feel, you'd like to think you shouldn't feel differently about yourself because of a championship, but there's a lot of good coming to the city of Cleveland, and this championship sort of brings it all together, allows us to feel very good about ourselves, get the monkey off our back, and look forward to a lot of progress and continued growth for our city that transcends anything you can do in, in, a, in an arena, on a, on a baseball field, anything like that. A lot of good points you just brought up. Uh, the one I want to harp on or talk about uh, is – actually, we're going to pause real quick, take a 10-second break so we can get our sponsors in. Then I have a question for Brian. Thanks for holding. And uh, my question for you, Brian, is uh, when you were talking about that and the struggle to win the championship and how the, the opponent that you beat, that makes the magnitude of it greater – Honestly, I think for Steeler fans, the Steelers have never lost or have never beaten, really, I would say anybody that was the underdog. I mean, the Steelers were always the favorite teams in their Super Bowls. Even though uh, Seattle I had won, I think, two more regular season games than they did in the 2005 regular season. And uh, but everyone knew they were – I mean, I would say them in Green Bay, it was a push. I think Green Bay was slightly favored. But I think that felt like an even bout because the Steelers were coming in with two Super Bowl wins in the previous five years. So I think that was kind of even. But I would say the only time Pittsburgh sports fans that are, that are you know, 30 and younger, uh, remember where Pittsburgh was clearly the underdog, was Super Bowl 30, which they didn't win against Dallas. Um, but uh, the one that we won was 09. And I'm going to tell you something, and I don't know if a lot of Cleveland fans know this, a lot of parallels between the 09 Penguins and uh, the 16 Cavaliers. The 09 Penguins lost. They actually here. This is kind of crazy, Brian. I don't know if they ever told you this. In 09, the Penguins, or in 08, the Penguins lost to Detroit on their home ice in game six. The next year, they fired their head coach during the season. And they beat Detroit in game seven in Detroit after falling behind 2 nothing in the series. 
I mean, that's that's pretty that's much wild. the same story. Yeah. But that, yeah. to me, makes that greater. And it has made me, as a Penguins fan, be okay with not getting back to another cup. Because they were still relevant. They were still good. And the one thing that kind of upsets me is when, when after about three or four years of not getting back to the cup, Penguin fans started saying we're due. And this Penguin championship was great. Because it was fun for the first time to be the favorites, especially when you go up two games to none. I had never really – the Penguins had never in my – well, 92. But in the last 23 years, never been up to nothing in the Stanley Cup final. The suspense that you had in the Detroit series wasn't there anymore. I remember Detroit in 09, they were supposed to be the next dynasty. They were Golden State. They swept uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets in the playoffs in the first round in 09, and I was at game four. And I remember thinking, the Blue Jackets, I'm a Columbus native, they have their best team ever. This is one of the greatest Penguin teams ever, and they might not ever win anything because they played in the same era as the Detroit Red Wings. That's where Detroit was. I mean, you knew Detroit was going to the final. It yeah. was going to be who they were going to face out of the East. It so happened to be the Penguins. Um, Crosby was – the only difference was our star, Crosby, he was uh, 21 when he won his first cup. He was in the final at 20, just like, you know, LeBron was young, and, and I think he was 22 in 2007. But a lot of parallels. But uh, I think the one athlete that Pittsburgh fans – for them, the closest thing that you guys have to LeBron is Ben Roethlisberger. I hate it, you know, having to bring this up, but the decision was the thing that bothered Cleveland fans, obviously. Ben's off-the-field issues about the same time, 2008 through 10. You know, the summer of 2010 was tough for, for Cleveland and Pittsburgh fans because LeBron had left and Ben Roethlisberger was facing a suspension for his off-the-field issues. Pittsburgh fans have, for obvious different reasons, Pittsburgh and Cleveland fans, and it, it, that formed a, a a controversial and it was just a tough relationship between their greatest athletes. Um, but I think you know, as years of time have gone by, and both guys have come from you know rich young athletes to mature, responsible adults, and 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 kind of leaders of, of you know good ambassadors for their cities, great ambassadors for their cities. You know, Ben Roethlisberger has grown up. And he's playing great football. He's still a great player, and uh, you know, has, you know, married with two kids. He's doing all those things. He gives back to the community. Um, I think it, this. If Ben won a championship now, it would. It would. I think for him, because you know, Ben has two championships, just like LeBron had two before this. But there are always there's with, with with Ben. There's always those 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 questions. Oh, he doesn't have four like Brady, and well, he has as many as Eli. So. <laughs> He he just didn't win that 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 third one against Green Bay. I think for LeBron, how he needed to win one in Cleveland to validate his greatness, even though that's a little absurd. That's absurd, just straight up. But I think he still needed to overcome that challenge. Um, I think you would agree with me on that, Brian. But uh, look, yeah. uh, I think in some way, just like LeBron, uh, Ben has to win that that third ring. He really has to, and he has to do it, uh, being the main reason why. Because the biggest knock on him was his teams carried him to those first two rings. Steeler fans know that's not true. He did have great teams, but he was the difference. Uh, I guess let me ask you, being a Browns fan now, like, do you, where do you, where, how do you look at Ben Roethlisberger? I know this isn't championship conversation, but I just kind of want to, you know, ask you this question as, as an intelligent football fan and being a, a diehard yeah. Browns fan as well. Yeah. I mean, it's funny to hear that because I always looked at Ben as a football player as <laughs> I never looked at it as anybody else was winning those championships. I looked at it as, as Ben was the, the the main reason or one of the reasons. Obviously, the defenses were tremendous. Um, but I looked at that him as as a big part of it. I mean, Santonio Holmes didn't throw the ball to himself. I mean, you know, Ben did. Uh, so, from my perspective, just, you know, as, as, as a football fan, I, I definitely feel as though he's tremendous. And I, I look at him as a surefire deserving Hall of Famer right now, I could understand certainly where, you know, you want to maybe get that next one and and, and, and get yourself a little more into the conversation with some of the others that, that have won a couple of, you know, more championships. But um, certainly I look at Ben as a playoff performer. I feel he's done as good, if not exceeded what Peyton Manning ever did. 
um, as a, a two-time, you know, champion, but realistically was only really at his peak once and, you know, for one championship. Um, look, I think it's like a lot of things, you know, personally, the, the per, you know, Ben Roethlisberger as a person, obviously I don't know him personally, you know, I, I can't, I'm not going to lie and pretend I'm a, I'm a huge fan of it personally. Um, there's, you know, Cleveland players. I'm not a big fan of personally either. It, it's, that's just the way it is. I mean, he went to, you know, a, you know, school in Ohio and friends that, you know, I've known that went to school with him and, and sort of what his, you know, maybe reputation was, but, but that's not, you know, probably not fair to judge based on that. I don't know. Again, I don't know the guy and I, and just because you, you, you know, you, you were a certain way a few years ago, I don't know what he is now. I know as a football player and as a leader, um, he's tremendous um, and, and definitely someone that I would anticipate will, will um, get that, uh, that third, if not more, uh, you know, trophies before it's all said and done. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I don't personally think Ben needs to win another one, but I, I just think for the legacy of the one of the best ever, you know, I think, it, it's weird in football because it's just it's just like basketball. At the end of the day, it, it, and it comes down to rings. I think the only sport it really doesn't is hockey because Lemieux has uh, two rings with the Penguins. Mark Messier has six, and for, Lemieux yeah, always see, I didn't know that. one of the big as four. As a casual hockey fan, yeah, or as a very casual hockey fan, I didn't know that. I, I I always would have put Lemieux ahead, you know, for sure, and I. Yeah, so I guess that speaks to that as, I mean, well, when, as a very when, casual when Gretzky, fan. Yeah, when Wayne Gretzky left the, the Oilers, or I'm sorry, uh, not the Oilers, Montreal, they never won uh, another championship. And Messier won one more with them than he, he – I mean, he ended New York's 40-year uh, route, or his 50-some years. So it was, I think it was very similar to – I think it was 1940. So he ended New York's 54-year hockey route. I know they had won championships in basketball with the Knicks in the early 70s. Um, but yeah, I, but you know, when you look at, at, uh, the basketball and, and football, the rings is really the big thing. And my question to you, um, what's your Cleveland, uh, sports Mount Rushmore? I know that's going to be tough for you. And I kind of put you on the spot with this question, but who I got, I, I have my Pittsburgh four, but I'm going to let you go first. Wow. Yeah, no, that it's, uh, it's hard. I guess, you know, I want to try to think of it from the perspective of, you know, all time and not just, you know, my personal, you know, who I would put up there. Um, I think, you know, obviously Jim Brown is, is, I think that's clear, uh, you know, arguably, I mean, and certainly in our opinion, the greatest, you know, football player uh, ever, you know, ever to, to, to strap on pads. Um, so he's, ob- you know, obvious LeBron James, uh, especially at this championship is obvious. Um, so, you know, th- those are two right there, no doubt about it. Um, I would put, and I think a lot of other Clevelanders probably would put Lou Boudreau would be the third. Lou Boudreau is the player manager and is a Hall of Famer for the 1948 Cleveland Indians. Um, the uh, Indians, well, actually, 1920 and 1948 are two lone World Series championships uh, with player managers at the helm in both of those. Um, I think those are, are, are probably the three most obvious of that group. Um, it's it's a little harder again, you know, to to, to say who who would be who would you do you put up there next? Who would be the uh, the, the 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 fourth? Um, I don't have a great answer to that. I mean, for me personally, just as, as a um, you know, I grew up baseball's my my first love. I I love all the Cleveland teams, and baseball's definitely my first love. So from that perspective, I'd like to put you know someone that I think most best represents on and off the field, um, you know, what you hope for as, as someone you can root for as a Cleveland Indian. So from that perspective, I put Jim Tomey, the, the all-time leader in home runs for the Indians. Um, I don't know where he ranks, but I know he's in the top ten for all-time home runs in baseball. Uh, and I, I'm a little biased. Just I, I happen to know, know him and have interacted with him many times. My, my father's involved with, with the Indians uh, on, a, on a volunteer basis and has been for, um, you know, 30 plus close to 40 years. Um, so I, I'd have to put him, him up there, but I think, the, I think the first three, I would say are pretty obvious is just each sort of representing um, the legacy and the greatest teams that each individual franchise had, you know, Jim Brown with the Browns, obviously, you know, Lou Boudreau with the 48 Indians. And then uh, obviously 
<laughs> you know, King James with uh, this most recent Cavs champion. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's cool when you can spread them out over franchises because I could do a Penguin one, Yager, Lemieux, Malkin, Crosby. There's no arguments. Pretty solid. Steelers, Joe Green, Franco, Rooney, even though I know that Rooney uh, was the owner, not a player, obviously. Uh, you know, I'd say Joe Green, Rooney, and the two quarterbacks, Bradshaw and Ben. I know there, you could – Paul Malu, you'd get serious consideration for him, but in my opinion, the common denominator was the quarterbacks. Um, they've always had great defense. Joe Green is, is just the representative. Um, that's just mine. I mean, if someone said Lambert and Green and Bradshaw and Franco, I would say, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to argue that. Uh, someone threw Bettis' name in there, I wouldn't argue that. But to me, there's there's four that – yeah, the main reasons why viewers are who I they are. I love you say that. Yeah, I, too, because I, you know, I guess Dan Gilbert. I would, I guess, I'd replace Jim Tomey with Dan Gilbert. Um, yeah, you know, the owner of the Cavs, because uh, of his commitment, not just to the the Cavaliers, but to the city of Cleveland, and and honestly, to the city of Detroit too. He, he's a, and had been a major ambassador in both of those cities. Lots and lots of jobs created. So I think that's that's fair, and I, and I, you know. To me, again, uh, you know, obviously I'm coming from the Cleveland perspective. I, to me, if if something happened to the Steelers or to the Pittsburgh Mount Rushmore and only one, you know, person could be on there, to me, it is it is Rooney. It is the Rooney family because they have created over many many decades one of the the very best run, most successful. Um, classiest, and this is coming from a Browns fan, uh, organizations in, in professional sports. Uh, it, it is rare to have a family, to have individuals that um, are around for so long and are so successful and are so well respected in the industry. Clevelanders don't forget, you know, that, that um, you know, Art Rooney being one of the, the only dissenting owners, uh, uh, you know, saying that the Browns should not move to Baltimore. Uh, we, we don't forget that. We respect and appreciate that for sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think that's something that it, 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 it can be so frustrating, um, you know, as far as uh, when you have teams, and there's been various teams in, in the past um, and, and ownership groups that um, in, in Cleveland, and I know in, in plenty of other places that have been frustrating, when you have an, an opportunity to have, uh, you know, Art Rooney and, and, and Dan, and to be able to have a family that has been able to do for Pittsburgh, for the Steelers, what that family has done. I mean, that that to me, yeah, I, they, they would be to me at the very top of the of the packing order in terms of the the influence they've had on on, on your city. Again, I'm not from Pittsburgh, obviously. I'm, I'm going to pretend I'm a Pittsburgh fan, but that, from my perspective, that's 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 pretty neat to, to have had uh, the organization you guys have had, um, you know, that has been so well run and so well respected in sports, not it's just been, in the NFL. And, and that's why Brian, I think is, I don't know if you're not really, I'm sure the last thing you're worried about is steel drama, <laughs> but well, you guys true, are, yes. uh, well, you guys are rightfully in Camelot right now. Uh, in Steeler world, uh, Bruce Arians, who used to be the Steelers' offensive coordinator when we won our last Super Bowl, um, is now the Cardinals' coach. If you remember, he was forced into retirement in 2012 when the Steelers just didn't renew his contract. It wasn't one of those things where they he was not fired. They just did not renew his contract. So he was let go. There's a difference. He was let go. And if he decided to retire, then that's, that's fine. But he is calling out Mike Tomlin right now saying that you know, uh, Tomlin kind of misled him and, and this and that and that. Because Tomlin was the one that ultimately he found out that he wasn't going to have his contract renewed. He asked, Tomlin said, according to Arians, he would push to get him more money. Uh, and the Steelers coaching, uh, the Rudy's pretty much said, and Ed Bouchette, who's covered Steelers football for 30 years, said this. Steelers have never come out and really explained the situation, and they shouldn't have to. Um, but Bouchette, who I would trust more than, more than you know any other Steeler insider, said that the Roonies wanted and told Arians multiple times change the offense to protect Ben, and he never did. And eventually when his contract was up, Ben got sacked an average of 43 times a year during Arians' uh, five years as OC. That's way too many times. 
Uh, three of those years, at least, he got sacked at least 47 times. One time he was sacked 50 times. Some of that's on Ben for holding the ball too much, but he was not going to last. This this was all before he was 30 years old. Uh, they didn't want to renew his contract. And he called uh, – Mike Tomlin called him and said, you know, I wasn't able to get it renewed, and, and unfortunately I don't, I don't think you're going to get re-signed. And he – he uh, I'm sorry I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but Tomlin offered to fly down no, I, I, and, and talk to Arians. I Arians like said don't – yeah, Arians said no worries, and that was that. But right now – He's attacking Tomlin. Tomlin is taking all the heat when really this was the Rooney's the whole time. And Steeler fans are revolting against Arians because we protect the Rooney family. And yeah, I wrote about to. it today. Yeah, you have to. You're right. And, uh, you know, the Rooney family, they haven't always made the right decisions. I mean, letting Rod Woodson go in 96 was probably one of the worst ones they've made. But honestly, in the grand scheme of things, did that cost us a Super Bowl? I don't, I don't think so, no. We didn't have the quarterback back then. Rod could have played for five more years. I don't know if he would have been the difference. Maybe, maybe, but we we just don't know. But uh, you're right, Brian, and, and you brought up the Roonies. But right now the Steelers, I mean, if we we would love to play the Cardinals right now in week one. We would just be frothing at the mouth to host them on a night game. The Steelers would look at them like they're the second coming of the Bengals. They would, It would be a war because they're challenging the Roonies. And it's kind of that fierceness that, just lies in Pittsburghers. But with that being said, it, it's crazy because I'm just going to say this. If Cincinnati won a championship this year, Pittsburgh wouldn't be reacting the same way they are with Cleveland. It would be different. It would be it would be uh, filled with anger, and I wouldn't mention it in any of my articles because it would be – that's where the, that's where it's gone. I feel like, Brian, for for Cleveland and Pittsburgh fans under 30, you, you're growing up not to like the other team because of your parents. Uh, beyond that – our baseball teams never have played for anything meaningful against each other. They should, uh, yeah. It's a bummer have... because, yeah, that that's a whole nother a whole nother story. How I think Clevelanders and Pittsburghers would agree that that, that uh, there should be home and homes between Cleveland and Pittsburgh, and certainly not you know Cleveland and Cincinnati since Cincinnati's several hours away and, and and doesn't have any sort of the relationship to Cleveland that Pittsburgh does. So um, sorry, that's that's another thing that's always bothered me. I. I don't like the idea of the Battle of Ohio. I think it should be, uh, you know, 76, 80, whatever the turnpike battles, what it really should be. But that's just me. I would agree. I would agree. I've never been to a Cleveland uh, Indians Pirates game, but I think it would be a lot of fun, especially because it's not a quote-unquote rivalry. But do you think our generation – my fear, I'm going to tell you this. I don't know what your your thoughts would be. My fear, and I've never told you this, and I never did. I always said when you win a championship, we're going to have to have this conversation. My biggest fear, as happy as I am for Cleveland fans and you, my own biggest fear is that this would open up the can and that you guys, this would be the change of the tide. It wouldn't just be Cleveland would win some and the Browns would stay down. Uh, I have a fear they're going to, the dogs, no pun intended, are going to come barking now. And that's always been my fear that the winning atmosphere, it would just intoxicate the, the, the entire city and would even creep to, over to Cleveland Browns Stadium. And it would change everything. That's always kind of been my fear, like one would kind of start the overflow. What are your thoughts on hearing that? Uh, what do you, I mean, do you think that could happen? Do you think this could kind of, because it's no coincidence, uh, you know, the Pirates won the World Series in 71 and 72, the Steelers had won their first division title and playoff game ever. I mean, that's why they're called the City of Champions, because they bring out the best in each other. I mean, the Steelers, when they normally, when, when Pittsburgh teams win championships, they win them in bundles. They didn't win any in the 80s. And then uh, the 90s, I mean, the Penguins did well, and that kind of woke up the Pirates and Steelers. Uh, do you see maybe the same thing happening? Well, I mean, you know, I definitely think from the Indians' perspective, and it's funny, Metric, I just read an article about it, how already there's so much inspiration from the Indians' perspective of, hey, you know, we can do this. Now, granted, the Indians are a first-place team uh, as we sit here. The Indians have a tremendous – starting pitching staff, and, and I'm not in any way rubbing salt in the wounds. Just being honest, as, as great as the world champion Kansas City Royals are, they're not the Chicago Cubs. Unfortunately, I know for, for Pittsburgh, and I, I've rooted for the Pirates. Oh, uh, we can, we can hey, listen, standpoint, Brian, we, listen, you know, being we, nice about that went we, by the wayside. We know how good they are, and uh, we've accepted yeah, that we are it, here. <laughs> it's yeah, but, how it but, is right hey, now. But, but, but you got to get in. That's what's great about baseball. And, and basketball, there's a couple teams that can win. That's it. Football, 
you know, it's hard to get into the playoffs. Obviously, you can make a run, but you know, realistically, there's a few teams that don't really have a chance. Um, some teams do, some teams don't. But baseball is different. Baseball, you just got to get hot. Um, so th- there's always that possibility. But but getting back sort of to your point, I think, yeah, I think the Indians have – I think you have to have the talent. Um, I do think that a little bit of pressure is taken off the Browns um, because this city – is such a football city. People are so crazy about the Browns. The Browns are so important to the fabric of this community that there's an unrealistic expectation for teams that are just not good, that don't have talent to be successful. And there's so much frustration. And it, 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 it's the Browns almost, they're the punching bag, they're the excuse, and yet they're like the love. It's like a, a, a you know, it's like a fire or it's like a car accident that everyone drives by. It's like no one can stop watching. It's absolutely, you know, crazy. Um, but, I, you know, I'd like to think that Hugh Jackson, I mean, certainly he's got a heck of a lot of credibility. I'd like to think that, um, first of all, he's going to get a true opportunity because that's been a major problem. People haven't gotten an opportunity. Maybe they haven't deserved to. Um, but I think he's going to get his shot. He's going to get his real opportunity. So I think there's definitely, from the Browns' perspective, because I know that would be most important to certainly the listeners uh, for this podcast, I think there's the potential, but – uh, it's obviously going to take some time, and it should. I've, I've, um, you know, I'll admit the Browns are number three to me in the pecking order, just because I, I am 29 and I, I can't fake, you know, a love for for a team that has never ever been successful. I, I don't want to say I'm fair weather. I still watch every game. I still go to a bunch of games. I, I still, you know, want to see the team be successful, but they never have been. So it's a little harder to sort of go there, but what I will say is, is that I've always felt big picture. You need to have a couple of bad years, but improve. And there needs to be some productivity and there needs to be a plan in place. The Browns have just had several different plans for a couple of years that have failed and they've made a change and then it fails and they make a change and so on and so forth. If the Browns, you know, are, have the number one overall pick in after next draft, which they very well may because they do not have a very, a very good team. That's Okay. What shouldn't happen is because people are frustrated and want to, you know, you know, make some moves. There shouldn't be, uh, you know, getting rid of this guy or getting rid of that guy. It should be a process. The goal is if it's three games next year, let's win six in, in the second year and then so on and so forth. So I hope that in a couple of years from now, even if it takes four or five years, it sounds crazy, but, but you want to work up to something. That has not happened. So the, the Browns, it certainly rem- remains to be seen. The Indians have had a trajectory of over 500 records every year since 2013, or at 500, I guess, um, under Terry Francona. So I think that there's definitely that potential, and it's rubbing off. The Indians are playing great. They've won 10 in a row uh, at, at the time of this um, recording this podcast at home. Um, and I think there's definitely that sense that the talent's there, and the drive is there, um, and and certainly the, the Indians want to be that next team that brings it. And I'd like to think that in the next couple of years, hopefully the Cavs have you know, at least one more in them. Hopefully the, the Indians have one in them. And, and you know, uh, if the Browns are going to have one in them, it, it's it's something that's going to take a few years, I would think. And um, I would just hope for some sort of progression. But uh, I wouldn't be too worried, at least from the Pittsburgh perspective. Um, cause again, what are the odds that the, 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 the pirates and the Indians both go to the world series and you have to worry about it? Um, you know, obviously it, basketball, we, you know, it, it isn't an issue football. I would say outside of maybe at some point, since we haven't beaten the Steelers in Pittsburgh since 2003, maybe at some point we actually beat you guys at home. So maybe we'll do that next year or the year after just because that's the NFL and sometimes bad teams beat good teams. But big picture, uh, at least the next couple of years, I wouldn't be too concerned. <laughs> you guys will be uh, be all right. Uh, certainly, um, when it comes to, to from the Browns' perspective, you guys should should be in pretty good shape to, at a minimum, get your one win in Pittsburgh, and uh, and go from there. Probably two, but probably get two. Definitely not this upcoming season. Right, and it's uh. It's just a cool thing. It's a cool thing that, that, that you have hope. And I think, you know, for for me as I've gotten older, you know, you, you start to understand that championships aren't guaranteed. And this is the thing that I have no idea how Cleveland's going to respond to this. I don't. 
And honestly, with, with the Penguins, there becomes – I mean, right now, Pittsburghers are enjoying the Penguins' Stanley Cup victory. They're enjoying it a lot. It had been seven years. I, I know it's not the same experience, but uh, there will be a point at some point now where it's going to be expected again, and if they don't win next year, it's a disappointment. I, my only hope for Cleveland fans is nothing taints this for you going forward and that Cleveland fans – will always enjoy this moment and won't – hopefully, obviously you want to win more. Obviously the Cavs are reigning champs next year and they're going to have a great opening night, ring ceremony. You, As a championship team, you have so much to look forward to. I mean, every time your team's on ESPN, it's the reigning world champions. When you go to a, a, a Cleveland home game this year, it's going to be the world champion. I mean, it's this is just the beginning of until you guys – if you guys get knocked out next year. My only hope is – it's a happy ending, and, and guy, people can look back. That's kind of the, the biggest thing that I think fan bases, some, not all, but, but I think, I mean, Brian, we went to Ohio State. I mean, uh, OSU won the national championship in 2002. By the time we had both gotten there in 05, I'm a year older, but we, you know, I transferred in and we started at the same time. There was already people already kind of getting the, the, honeymoon, fat, the honeymoon phase of winning that championship had worn off by the time we had gotten there. I think OSU fans – kind of just sat back and enjoyed that for several years, and still do. The 2002 championship was great. But Jim Tressel, after winning the national title his second year, there's pressure on him to win another one the rest of his career. He never did. Did that make him a bad coach? Absolutely not. I mean, I would say, as of even right now, uh, you still pick Tressel over Urban. Urban won it in his, what, third season, I believe. I know he wasn't eligible to win it his first one. They went undefeated, but what Trestle did was unbelievable, and uh, I think sometimes, unfortunately, as, as sports bases, fan bases, spoiled ones, OSU, you always expect that next one, the Steelers. And I think as us as sports fans need to appreciate the years where you're really good but don't necessarily win it. I thoroughly enjoyed Ohio State's 2015 football season, maybe more than last uh, 2014. Because 15, you knew they were good, and most of the time, except for the one time, they won. And it was very much enjoyable to watch the wins. Uh, and knowing that you had already won a championship, and with this team you have nothing else to prove. Now it's just going out whipping butt. Uh, I hope the Cleveland fans feel the same way when they watch next year and uh, and enjoy this summer. And don't I mean, it's unfortunate that Stephen A. Smith and these talking already have to talk about next year and what's you know LeBron's dream team with his buddy, all that crap. I mean, I honestly think, you know, I get they're in the business, but uh, and I'm sure you guys could care less about any of this news. But you just, just I think, just for courtesy, you just let Cleveland fans enjoy this one for a week. <laughs> you know, you, no more yeah. speculating. You know, but yeah, that's yeah, only you know what you guys, Brian. I hope with, you know. Yeah, uh, we're right, used to right. it. Well, and, I guess. And, and, and all, yeah. Well, yeah, let me I, ask I you, and I'm, all, all all six of the Miami fans, you know, you know, were used to it too, and when, when uh, you know, when LeBron was there as well, so that happens. Well, Brian, I'm going to let you out of here with one more question, and thank you for for spending the last hour plus with us here on, on the Steelers Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. We've really enjoyed having this back and forth. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to give me your fair answer. If you are a fan like me, who Pittsburgh fan growing up didn't have a basketball team, certainly doesn't have the struggle that you guys have had. But you, uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed watching the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, each of the last two years. Um, I guess just, uh, I guess talk to me about just what tomorrow is going to be like for you. And from now on, when you talk to Pittsburgh fans about their championships, you have one to discuss yourself. I guess just talk about uh, how excited you are for tomorrow. The parade is going to be, this is going to air on uh, Wednesday when the Cavaliers start their parade. I guess just, just, yeah, I guess that's my last thoughts. Talk about what you hope you feel to pray tomorrow and, and your, your parting thoughts as a Cleveland fan that, that watched your team win a championship. Definitely. I, you know, uh, just briefly, you know, Brian, first of all, I really appreciate you having me on. It's, uh, it's, oh, we, we, you know, I love talking to you regardless, whether it's uh, just, you know, it, it's just, we're talking just regular like we like to do or, or it's on a podcast, but, but I could say, you know, first of all, there, there's no concern and there's no worry whatsoever uh, from the standpoint of us not appreciating this. Uh, we definitely will. Um, it, it will cherish it forever. Yeah, it's the first one. It's so special. It's exciting to think about going for others. It's exciting to think about that first opportunity for the Indians to do it. It's exciting, I'm sure, for lots of other Browns fans who've seen actual success to 
think about the Browns one day doing it. Um, it it's that's the exciting thing. That's the fun thing. I'm sure you guys feel that too. Like it, it's you want to win, but you're excited. Let let let's win the next one. Let's. There's going to be adversity. You just mentioned with Bruce Arians and the Cardinals, and and adversity always comes. You always find reasons to be excited. So it's exciting that there'll be a first Indians and and maybe at some point a first Browns. Uh, that's exciting to know that that's still happening, but we will definitely appreciate it. Um, as for the parade, it, it's just it's it's just another just great day, and what's been really just the the the, the previous week winning all three games. It, it's uh, really one of the best times uh, of my life, and and I, I can speak for so many other fans in Cleveland and, and all throughout the country and even the world to an extent. Um, getting a chance to, to experience this and, and, and know that we, we finally got it done. Um, we're the champions. We're, that loser mentality is, is gone now. It can never be taken away from us. And, and not only, again, you know, that we're champions, but we defeated, we denied the legacy. It's probably similar to the way New York Giants fans feel about, you know, uh, taking Tom Brady's perfect season and tainting it. Um, because they didn't get a Super Bowl. They didn't win the championship that year. They had a great, great, great season, historic season, but they didn't get it done. It's the same kind of thing here. It, uh, it, it's, it was the perfect storybook ending. It was that you could not have asked or even dreamt of anything um, better than this, and uh, we're just going to enjoy every single moment of this, every second, um, you know, just – thinking and reflecting on what happened and, and we're excited for the journey to continue no matter what happens moving forward. This 2015, 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers will, uh, will always be um, legends, heroes, uh, and so special to, uh, to this city and this region. That's awesome, man. And uh, someone that's known you a long time, congratulations. I'm, I'm uh, pumped for the city of Cleveland. I'm going to be watching it here on my TV while I work. And, uh, Let's just make a gentleman's agreement now. Cleveland can win as many as they want in Bass. Just leave it where it is. I think we're good with that, and I think that can be a gentleman's agreement. <laughs> I, I I need my tribe to get to, to get one here. So uh, oh, I'll, baseball, I'll, baseball, I'll, baseball, okay. I'm just I'll I'm just starting for the Browns. Pirates, just uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not even going to go there because it's not a, a question yet. At some point, I would like to beat you guys, maybe, but I'm. I'm you know, at this point, I'm not going to stress that too much. So, go, go Cavs, go Cavs. All right, I couldn't, get, I couldn't uh, get an agreement, but, know. but I'll take it, man. But thanks again, and uh, <laughs> enjoy that parade. And, and I'm sure we'll talk once football starts. And I'm going to need your opinion on the Browns' upcoming season. Definitely. Thank you, buddy. All right, take care. And uh, that was Brian Rosen, and for him, this has been Brian Diardo signing off. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Have a good weekend coming up, and as always, it's a great day to be a Steelers fan.